Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we are asking in the name of Jesus that you will come and take the center stage even upon this place. We ask that you glorify the Father in all that we are going to do. I ask that you will speak through me the counsel of heaven to every hearer today in the name of Jesus. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that that which you have planned and purposed to do, you will establish it and you will do it to your glory in the name of Jesus. And at the end of the day, the accolade, the glory, the applaud, it all belongs to you. We give it back to you as a sweet-smelling offering, even in the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way in our midst today. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, today by the grace of God, I'm going to be looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in discovering your purpose. The role of the Holy Spirit in discovering your purpose. We thank God for the teachings the pastor has been taking us through, especially looking at the emphasis of purpose, priority, and productivity, where he has told us that your purpose will guide your priority, and then when you are focused, you'll be able to determine your productivity. So I'm going to just step in and flow into that as we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in discovering your purpose. Many people are on a journey and that journey they often tag the journey to discovery. They spend weeks, months, days, even years wanting to discover their God-given purpose. They have been told that this journey is something they must embark upon and that one day they will get to a destination called purpose. So we have been taught many ways on how to discover purpose. Some have told us that we should follow our passion. That if you follow your passion, your passion will lead you to your purpose. Some have told us that we should use our talents. That our talents will lead us to our purpose. Others have told us, look at what you love. Anything that you love will direct you to your purpose. And of course, others have told us that the gifts that God has given to us, those are all indicators showing us the way to the purpose that God has for us. I am of the candid opinion that your passion, your talents, your gifts, what you love, 
all of these things have been given to you by God for you to use in fulfilling the God-given purpose that he has for you. So when you look at your gifts, when you look at your talents, when you look at your passion, all of those things are things God has given to you because you are going to use them to fulfill the God-given purpose that he has for you. So I'm going to use the simple definition of purpose today. It's a very simple dictionary definition. And it simply says, purpose is the reason for which something is done. The reason for which something is done or created. The reason for which something is done or created. Or the reason why something exists. The reason why something exists. So when you are looking at your life, I want you to believe and understand that there is a purpose over your life. Simply put, there is a reason why you are created. There is a reason why you are existing. There is a reason why you are what? Why you are what? You are living. That means you are not just here per chance. You are not a mistake. I don't know what they've told you and maybe they told you, oh, your mother was raped and that's how you got here. No, that was just the transportation means. I don't know whether they told you, oh, somebody was molested, that's how you came. I'm telling you, that's just the transportation. It's like if you're in Lagos today and you want to move from one place to another, there are different means of transportation. But you know, sometimes we all get to the destination. You know, some people, when they can't afford first class or business class, what would they say? In the end, don't we get to the same destination? (laughs) But there's a difference, so please. (laughs) Eh? The difference is clear. But in the end, when they say we're all going to London, is it not the same place we all arrive? Okay. That means it doesn't matter how you feel you got here. Because sometimes the enemy helps you focus so much on how you got here that you forget to ask, why am I here? Many of you have been questioned, how did I get here? Maybe you lived in a house where the family wasn't perfect. Hey, so was everybody's. When people talk about household and families, I can use my own life as an example. I have three stepfathers and three stepmothers. So when people talk about divorce, I know what you're talking about. I know the effect on children. I know what it's like to have the wicked stepmother and the wicked stepfather. It's not just mothers alone. The fathers also, they're wicked. They were all wicked. (laughs) So don't say it's only wicked stepmother. There's There's wicked stepfather. Now you spend so much time looking at how you got here. You spend so much time looking at the environment. Elder Wally, when he was ministering this morning, he said what? His, is it your paternal grandmother was how many wives? There were 21 wives. Come on, men, answer me. How do you love 21 women at the same time? <laughs> I mean, come on. Ah. You know? Elder uh, there's no love. <laughs> Brother Mike said there's no love. I, I want you to imagine you are in a home 
with 21 wives. Come on. If you survive, just come for Thanksgiving. I had a friend in university. Her name is Kemi. I remember her very well. She won't mind if I mention her name. You know, Kemi in their father's house. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it well. But his own was really poor. I'm sorry, sorry, delete that. But if you're really good, I mean, come on. He now had a room for every wife. So they all lived in one big house. So wife one had room one. Wife two had room two. Wife three had room three. And then unfortunately, Kemi's mother had died. So they put her and her siblings in the room downstairs. So of course, when they are paying school fees, which school fees is paid first? The people in the upstairs. When it comes to the people who are eating and going, who comes? The people upstairs. But you know what? She could have spent all her life thinking of, look at how I was raised. Look at how I came into this world. Couldn't God find a better way? No. I want you to stop today to stop looking at how you came. You're not the only one that went through. We all went through. The only difference is I've not come to sit down to tell you about mine. That's the only difference. You don't know my story. But I want you to know that God is not just about how you got here. God is now asking you to ask, why are you here? You are here for a reason. There is a purpose of God over your life irrespective of the environment in which you were raised. So purpose simply means the reason for which something is done or created or the reason for which something exists. Now pastor says something. When purpose is not known, what is what? Abuse is inevitable. When we don't know the reason why we're here, then we begin to use our gifts, our talents, the money, strength, we begin to misuse it. Because we do not know the reason why God has given us those things. It's for a reason. Your gifts, your talents, your passion, the things you love. God has endowed you with those things because you are going to put them in that direction that God will show to you. So when you don't know that direction, what do you do? You just squander it. When you don't know it, you squander it. Let's look at the book of Judges. Chapter 9, verse 7. We're going to look at the importance of understanding purpose. The book of Judges, chapter 9, verse 7, we see the parables of the trees. Start from verse 7. It says, Now when they told Jothan, and he went and stood on the top of Mount Gezerim, and lifted his voice and cried out, and he said to them, Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees went for, once went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my all with which they honor God and men, and go to sway over trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over trees? Then the tree said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I seize my new wine, which cheers both God and man, and go to sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come and reign over us. 
And the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Let's stop from there. We're going to take a few truths from that story. Number one, when you do not know who you are, when you do not know who you are, and you do not know what you are here for, you do not know who you are, and you do not know what you are here for, then others will tell you who you ought to be. And they will tell you what you ought to be doing. If you stand at the bus stop and they say, where are you going? You say, nowhere. That means if I say, follow me to VI, won't you follow me? The reason why you'd follow me is because you don't even have anywhere to go to in the first place. But if you had a specific direction, even if I offer you VI Lekki anywhere, you say, I'm sorry, that's not my direction. When you do not know who you are, when you do not know what you are here for, then somebody will tell you who you are and they will also tell you what you ought to be doing. Number two, when you know who you are, when you know who you are and you know what you are here for, you will not accept anything that will derail you. When you know who you are and you know what you are here for, you will not allow anything or anyone to derail you. The reason why you have found yourself on different tracks is because you don't even know where you are going. One minute you are going left, the next minute you are going right, the next minute you are in the center. It's because you actually have no map in the first place. You have no specific path. And therefore you are easy to derail. Number three. Purpose is about giving. Purpose is about giving. You become an instrument and an outlet to be used to give. Purpose is about giving. If you find that in your life, you're always so self-consumed, you're always so self-centered, then you have not found purpose yet. There's no true woman or man of destiny that has found their destiny and they will not tell you it's about giving. Because everything God has given to you is for you to give. So when everything is about me, myself, and I, you have not discovered purpose yet. Any purpose that is centered about you or round about you, that's not purpose. Are you listening to me? Your purpose is about giving. God will show you how, when, the place, but it's always about something coming out of you and reaching out. Number four. Your true purpose will benefit two people, God and humanity. Your true purpose will benefit two people, God and humanity. If God is not honored by what you are doing, you have not found your purpose yet. 
If nobody benefits from all that you are doing, you have not found purpose yet. That's why the tree said, how do we stop doing that which will honor God and men? Your purpose must touch other people. So when everything is about your career, your marriage, your family, is you, 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 you have not even started yet. Because purpose is not self-centered. Are you hearing me? Purpose is not self-centered. And number four, is that four or five? Five. When you take up the assignment that is not yours, you'll end up giving up what is truly yours. When you take up an assignment that is not yours, you'll end up doing what? you end up giving up. Notice the tree said something. How shall I give up producing wine to come and what? Rain. That means you can't have it both ways. And you know many of us have dropped what God has given to us. All in an attempt to pursue what others have given to us. But you know what? In the end something is going to give in. I remember there's a gentleman, I'm sure if you move around the Kedja, has anybody heard of Dr. Roberts before? How many people know Dr. Roberts? What does he do? Cakes. Dr. Roberts makes cake. But you're wondering what his doctor doing in front of his name. He's a medical doctor. Because his father is a medical doctor. And therefore, in those days, and unfortunately in days of today, parents, are you listening to me at the back? His parents insisted that he must be a doctor. He said, I don't want to be a doctor. They said, he has to be a doctor. So he spent seven years in medical school. I don't know how many other years they spent. Then he collected the certificate and went to his father. Daddy, take your certificate. So he spent seven years of his life doing what? Pleasing someone. And after he gave him the certificate, he now went to pursue what he knows how to do. I believe that if he had been a doctor, nobody would know his name. But what is he known for? He's known as Dr. Robert the Cake. Parents, I want to beg you by the mercies of God. Stop living your life through your children. Are you hearing me? Live your own life. If you've always wanted to be a doctor, go and do it now. It's not too late. If you want to be an architect, don't worry. You are 70. Just go. God will make a way. Stop living your life through your children and forcing them to do things that you know and they know that that is not God's will for their lives. They waste time. They waste energy. And God help them if they don't even find direction again. All because you want to say, my child is a lawyer. My child is a doctor. My child is... After that, what else? Please, I beg you, prayerfully, locate what God has called your children for. I have another friend, Toyin. 
Our father said, would you like to go to university? Tony said, no, I don't want to go. Said, what would you like to do? Said, I like sewing. Like making clothes. Said, eh, that's what you like. So when she finished O levels, her father just located, they can afford it. He just located the school in Paris. Said, do you like this one? She said, yes. And she went to school in Paris. When she cuts your clothes, the difference is clear. The difference is clear. It's not a Obioma. <laughs> it's Kotia, Kotia. <laughs> it's a Kotia cut. Huh? It's not Obioma cut. But what did the father do? He asked because he understood that he would not waste this girl's life. Her father is a general, major general. That was years ago. Parents, please write it down. Stop living your life through the eyes and the life of your children. You live your own life and let them live theirs. Because so many times we have derailed our children, insisting on certain courses that they should not be doing. I remember when my daughter was going to university, I just sat her down. All the book I want to read, I've already read though. The only thing I read now is what? Novel. Anything that you choose, you are the one that's going to read it. So choose carefully. Choose carefully. Because I will not come and read it for you. And I don't buy results. So some parents, God help us. Eh? They're buying results. Don't worry, when they go to the office, you follow them as well. Eh? You follow them now. Eh? You buy the office. I mean, come on. That's it. When you are bought results, the best thing is you must buy the office. How can you buy results? How can you buy? Why results? You are in here. You are here. Not outside. You're buying WIAC results, you are buying GSC results. No, you'll be buying for the rest of the life. You will just be buying. And I like what Elder Wallace said this morning. He says, be careful how you begin everything. If you are not here this morning service, you need to. He said, be careful how you begin everything. If you begin your children's life by buying results for them. You keep buying for them. If you are doing it, stop. If you are doing it, stop. That is the wrong foundation to give our children. So of course you see the bramble tree, finally. There the bramble tree now said something. It says, if I will reign over you, come and take shade under me. But if not, fire will come and consume and devour. And my question is, come, this bramble, are you supposed to be giving fire to people? But when you don't know what you are there for and you are not content with what God has shown to you, then of course you start consuming. You start destroying. Why? Because you are not doing what God has planned for you to do. When you are not at the center of his will, what you are simply doing is what you are consuming and destroying. So the question now is, so how do I find my purpose? What is the best way for me to discover my purpose? How many people know this song? Some have eyes, but cannot see. 
Some can see, but have no eyes. We have eyes and we can see. Glory be to thee, O Lord. I want you to know that God has given you those eyes. Both your natural and your spiritual eyes. Because he wants you to see. God has made a way for you to know your purpose. Why you exist. He has already made the way. In the book of Mark chapter 4 verse 10 to 12. There the Lord began to speak about two types of people. Mark chapter 4 verse 10. He says, but when he was alone, those around him and the twelve asked him about the parable. He talked about the parable of the seed and the sower. And he said to you, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now in this particular story, Jesus is talking about two categories of people. The first category of people are those who are inside. He says, it has been given to you to know. That means when you are inside, you get to know. But he says, but there are those that are outside, they don't know. Everything comes to them as a mystery. Everything comes to them as a parable. So the question you and I need to ask ourselves today, am I inside or am I outside? If you still find yourself in a place where you don't know, when I ask you, what is your purpose? I don't know. That means you are still outside. It says, for those who are inside, it has been given to them to know. So I want you to know that God wants to bring you inside. He doesn't want you to be on the outside. He doesn't want you to say, I don't know. I think I'm, uh, maybe. No, 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 no. It says to those who are inside, it has been given to them to know. They must know. It's only outsiders. It remains a mystery. So I want you to know that there's nothing that is hidden that God does not want to reveal. Whatever the secret is that is covered up, I want you to know that God wants to unveil everything. Let me give you a simple illustration about purpose. In my hand today is something in this package. And I'm going to ask five people to please tell me what is inside. However your split leads you, what is inside? He says he has no idea. Okay. I know women are, we have intuition. We have everything. Okay. You don't know what is inside, but you know that it's a box that contains something. Well, if somebody has first degree, Masters and PhD. <laughs> Something must be working. <laughs> what is inside? 
is what? Come on. That means that I can give to everybody in this hall one thing is certain. You will all keep guessing. And that's what you've been doing about your life. Every single one of you all that you have been doing you're just guessing. You will touch it. Okay, it's rectangular. Okay, it's square. Okay, it's shaking. Okay, it's not moving. Okay, it's something. But you know what? You don't know what is inside. All you will keep doing is you will keep guessing. And unfortunately, and that's why this message is coming, many people continue guessing until they see him. So I want you to think about the weight of when you are guessing. You can keep guessing for the next 40 years. You can keep guessing for the next 60 years. You can keep guessing for the next 80 years. You can keep guessing until you see him. That is how bad guessing is. But I want you to know that God doesn't want to put you in that state. And he hasn't put you there. God hasn't put you in that guess. You're not supposed to be guessing. You're not supposed to be assuming. You're not supposed to be saying maybe, maybe not. No. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29. Very quickly. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. It says what? Let's read together. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. Question. Does God reveal secrets? Does God reveal things that are hidden? Daniel chapter 2 verse 28 very quickly. Daniel 2 28. Let's read together. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Full stop. Stop there. So whatever it is that is hidden, God says what? I can reveal it. Your purpose is a mystery to you because you do not know it yet. Are you hearing me? Your purpose is a mystery to you because you do not know it yet. Your purpose is a secret to you because you do not know it yet. But I want you to know that before God, it is not a secret and before God, it is not a mystery. It's only to you. So the next question is, does God want to reveal what is secret to me? Very quickly, Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42 verse 8 to 9, does God want to reveal what is secret to you? Isaiah 42, 8 to 9, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. 
Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. One last scripture to confirm. Does God want to reveal? Because if it is a mystery to you and it is a secret to you, but it's not a mystery to him and it's not a secret, we must ask, okay, God, do you want to now reveal? And he's saying, I'm I'm ready to declare. I'm ready to tell you. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 1 to 3. This one is even, it's so clear that God wants to reveal to you the things that are hidden from you. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison saying, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So all those scriptures confirm one thing. God wants to tell you. God wants to show you. God wants to reveal to you. Then the next question we need to ask is, God, how are you going to reveal to me? Are you following me from the beginning? There's a purpose of God over your life. God knows what that purpose is. He doesn't want you to guess. He says, I'm ready to reveal it to you. Then the question is, how is he going to reveal it to me? How am I going to know? I want you to know that the way God has ordained for you to know the purpose of God over your life is through the Holy Spirit. That is the way. I know you've read all the books about passion. You've read all the books about gifts. You've read all the books about talent. You've read all the books about pursue what you love. Hey, that's great. But in God's kingdom, in God's sphere of things, God is saying, what is a secret that only I know? The way I will show it to you is through and by the Holy Spirit. Let's establish that in the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So I want you to see God making things and preparing things. There's a lot of plans. He's packed all of them. He's prepared them. But he says what? But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. If I could have, I would have bought a suitcase. But I remember the play that the drama ministry did once. It was a really beautiful play. The play was in that day was, I think about three, four people. A doctor, a writer, and in that play, the doctor, no, I think, yes, a writer. One person was a writer, and of course, he had passed on, he he was in heaven. And so when he got to heaven, he began to show them the books, you know, that he had written. And so they were telling him that, no, in heaven, they don't need that book, oh, that book that you have written, where are you supposed to have used it? Down here. 
Then the doctor, I think it was a doctor or an inventist or something. He had discovered medicine, one cure. And so he brought it to heaven. Hey, I have this medicine. Say, ah, no, sorry. They don't need that one here. You should have used it there. You see, when God has prepared for you, I want you to imagine a suitcase. A suitcase that is full of things ready and prepared that what is bought for you here. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, what you're supposed to do on this earth is what? To unpack. Because the things that are in that box, they're for you to use here. Therefore, you can't take it all back. So he says the things that God has prepared for you, because he knows you are coming here. So he packed your load, packed everything. He's ready word for you to use here. And he now says, but God has revealed... He has revealed all that he has packed for you. All that he has prepared for you. He says the way he will do it, he will reveal it to you by his spirit. That's the way God has chosen. I wish there was another way. Maybe somebody will tell you there's another way. But from the scriptures, he says that's the way I've chosen. And who are we to question him? To say, God, couldn't you have found an easier way? But that's the way. The way he will reveal your purpose to you is by his spirit. So we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of individuals in discovering and understanding the purpose of God over their lives. I'm just going to take two quick examples. Number one, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, quickly give me Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. It says, Now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Sheba, and the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi in the land of the Chaldeans by the river of Sheba, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Now, this man Ezekiel is a priest. How many people know that he's not an arm robber? Huh? He's a priest. How many people know that a priest is a good occupation? Huh? At least they'll be bringing the goats, the sheep. I mean, something will, <laughs> will pass by you now. Abby? When they bring the offerings, when they bring all of those things as the priest, even if you give God 10%, there's still 90. <laughs> you will, you'll enjoy. So the man has a good calling. He's a priest. He's in the house of God like you and I in the house of God today. But then something happens to him in chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 to 2 very quickly. No, take me to the last chapter, the last verse in chapter 1. The last verse in chapter 1. It says, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Continue. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. Now, 
the man is a priest in chapter 1. He's having the word of the Lord. He's having visions of God. But then he has an encounter that is about to change his life. The Bible says, and the spirit entered into him. Something must take place inside of him. And you're wondering, well, what could take place? He's already a priest. He's hearing God's word. He's seeing visions. What could be greater than that? So here you are, you are sitting, you are reading your Bible, you are praying. You know, you come, you sing, you dance, you, you know. I mean, what could be greater than that? But that encounter with the Holy Spirit changed something in his life. And what is that change? Give me chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 16. It says, now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Stop. So what was he doing as a priest? So every day people would bring the sheep, the goats, the cow, whatever they were bringing. He would just carry it, go to the altar, slaughter it, present offering unto God. Another person brings goat, sheep, okay, bring it. Uh-huh. Then the word, somebody would declare the word, okay. It is after that encounter that the Bible says that one, the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, that priest thing that you are doing, <laughs> that one is not it all. What it is actually is that you are a watchman. That means that you can stay in church for so long being a priest when you are supposed to be a watchman. That means you can stay so long doing the not wrong thing because it doesn't look wrong. Being a priest doesn't look wrong, but it is wrong because you're not fulfilling your God-given purpose. So you can be in church and come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. You can have communion and fellowship with him every day. But as long as you have not entered into that place of knowing this is his purpose for you, you still haven't gotten there yet. Because being a priest is not bad. It's an honorable thing. But the minute he had the encounter and the spirit of God was on the inside, he said, look, when I come on the inside, I need to shape something. I need to redirect. I need you to be precise. And I want you to know God wants you to be precise. If you were called to be a watchman, then there comes a time you have to stop being a priest. Whatever it is that you're doing today, I'm not saying it is bad. What was the difference? When he had that encounter and the spirit entered into him. Give me the book of Acts chapter... I'm looking for it. Acts chapter 6. Beautiful. The book of Acts chapter 6. We're going to look at the life of a man called Philip. Acts chapter 6. It says, Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenites because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continue to prayer and ministry of the word. 
It says, and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Pamimas, and all of them, and continued. So they had a problem in the church. And when they had a problem in the church, they decided to pick seven people. And the condition that was used or the criteria used for those people, they must be people that are what? Full of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to imagine that Philip that day, he's just a disciple. And his job is to do what? To ensure that food and daily provisions are distributed every day. That's what he's there for. Everybody get your portion, you're happy, good, go home. You got your portion today, you're happy, good, go home. You got your portion today, go happy. That's what he was doing. But is that all that God had for him? Did God have more for him than that? The next time that you will hear of this man, Philip, is in the book of Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, when there was a great persecution that came upon the church, they scattered in different direction, and the man who was serving tables began to preach Christ in the city. He actually preached Christ in Samaria first. It was persecution that actually brought out what was inside. I wrote a footnote here. I says, often we believe that only good things and good incidences will bring out great things. Change that thought. Often we believe that good things, good incidences, good events will bring out the best or great things. But I want you to know that even the darkest things and darkest moments of our lives, God is able to bring out. No matter how dark or how low you think that is, God is able to still bring out something good. When the church was scattered, this man who has been serving tables, that same man in the scattering, the Bible says he went to Samaria and began to do what? To preach. The next time you will see Philip is in the book of Acts chapter 21. In Acts chapter 21, there you will find Philip and the Bible describes him as what? As the evangelist. So I'm wondering, how do you move from serving tables to becoming an evangelist? So who knew you were an evangelist? Did he know from the beginning he was? How did he have known? Because of the role of the Holy Spirit in his life. The Bible says from the men that were chosen, there were men full of the Spirit. He had the Spirit of God on the inside of him. Number two, he was a man empowered and used by the Spirit of God. When he was in Samaria, the Bible says through his hands, miracles were wrought. He didn't do them on his own, he did them by the Spirit. He was a man that was led by the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 8 verse 29, when the Holy Spirit said, if you go to the man who was what? The Ethiopian. How does a man move from being setting tables, distributing food? And yet, the Bible says, by the time you see him in Acts 21, it says he's Philip the evangelist. That is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life he's supposed to reveal to you. I wrote down something interesting, which is the definition of the word role. When somebody plays a role in your life, 
It simply means that you allow that person to influence you. When you say, I've played a role in your life, you have given me permission to influence you. To be a part of your life. I don't know if this has happened to you before, but have you ever gone to someone, you wanted to help them do something, and they're like, oh, no, 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 thanks. Has it happened to anybody? Now, if it's happened to you, you know how you feel when they do that. Now, that's what you are doing to God. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 thanks. Because he has a role to play in your life. That means you must allow him to influence. Must allow him to influence your life. Time will not permit me to show you the life of Paul the Apostle. But before I finish, I found something interesting in the life of Philip. In the book of Acts chapter 21, the Bible says that Philip is an evangelist. He has four daughters that are virgins. And guess who came to visit him in his house? Paul and his companions. The Bible says that they stayed with him for many days. Don't you find that strange? The same Paul that was there when his companion Stephen was killed, yet God positioned Philip in that place, Caesarea, for Paul to come and visit and stay in his house. Why was he in Caesarea? Why did he make that his final abode if the Holy Spirit had not directed him to stay there? I want you to know that God wants to reveal your purpose to you. And the best way he has designed it to be is that the Holy Spirit will be the one that will do the revealing. That's why the Lord, when he said concerning his disciples in John 16, he says, I am sending you a helper. Someone who will tell you. Somebody who will show you. Somebody who will declare to you. All things. And that's why he told them, tarry in Jerusalem. Why? Because you must be filled. My prayer for everyone here today is that we will stop guessing. My prayer, that's my prayer. I'm going to keep this package like this so that each time you remember that as long as you do not know what is inside, you will keep guessing. As long as you do not know what is inside, you will keep guessing. And unfortunately, if you're not careful, you can keep guessing for the rest till you see him. If you are not careful. And that's why you must make a conscious effort to say, okay, God, how exactly? Now I know it's the Holy Spirit. What do I need to do? It's very simple. It's very simple. When Paul was together with, ba- with Barnabas, what were they doing? Book of Acts 13, 1 to 3, they were just waiting on him. As they waited upon him in the place of prayer, what did he say? He said, separate me, what? Barnabas and Paul for the work I have for him. I don't know about Christianity today, but it wasn't like in those days. You know, in those days to wait upon God, you don't even need for the church to declare. You declare it yourself. 
You spend time yourself to wait upon God. Now if you tell let us fast, even to fast, by the time it's around 11, 12, is the fast, has it not ended? But the things of the spirit, they're spiritually discerned. They're not physically discerned. They're spiritually discerned. And the Bible says, as they waited on the Lord, as they stayed in the place of prayer, then what happened? The Holy Spirit spoke and he began to reveal. By prayer for you that is from today, that just take time out. I know that you're busy. I know that there are many issues round about you. But you know what? The day you locate what your purpose is, half of those issues will be resolved. Because God will tell you where to go to, who to go to, how to get to. He, your purpose, will, he will give you direction. The reason why you are scattered is because you don't know. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Shall we rise? God bless you. Praise the Lord. You're going to quickly pray with me two prayer points. Two prayer points that you are going to pray. The first one is in the book of Joel chapter 2 verse 28 to 29. Joel chapter 2, 28 to 29. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and on my maidservants, men servants, and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Pastors taught us the three languages of the Holy Spirit is what? Prophecy, visions, and dreams. I remember once I spoke to someone and they said, I don't dream. Is there anybody like that? You don't dream at all. There's something wrong. She said, I don't dream. I said, no, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. They, I'm telling you, you don't have dreams. There's something wrong. Because he says, when he pours out his spirit upon you, how he will begin to communicate with you. He would speak it by prophecy. He would give by dreams. He would give by visions. Therefore, if you are not having any of those, there's something, there's something in transmission. Something has broken. But you are going to pray for yourself. That Lord, from today I'm asking that you will pour your spirit upon me. That as your spirit is poured upon me, Lord, by dreams, by vision, by prophecy, that which has been that which has been covered, that which has been hidden, that the Lord Himself will begin to reveal your purpose unto you in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to pray in the mighty name of Jesus and stand upon the promise of God that He has given to us. The promise of God is that He will pour His Spirit upon our flesh. Therefore, Lord, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that as you will pour your spirit upon us in the name of Jesus by dreams by vision, by prophecy, you will reveal our God giving purpose unto us. Thank you because the Holy Spirit is the revealer of all things. Therefore, Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will fill us afresh. Fill us anew in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, O oh God, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we shall have dreams and see visions. Lord, we will have dreams and visions and prophecy, understanding the will and the purpose of God for our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus.
And number two, you're going to pray Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 to 5. If you don't dream, if you don't see visions or dream, you need to go and hold on to that scripture and begin to pray. And pray that God Almighty, that's your promise. You stand upon his promise because it's a promise of God given to us. In Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 to 5, it says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. That's not where I'm going to. He says, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Then he now says what? The Lord has opened my ear. The Lord has done what? Opened my ears. You are going to pray. Every one of your instruments. Hold the person next to you. Sometimes you don't even know how to pray. So maybe the person will pray for you. Huh? Hold the person next to you. So that person, just say, pray, oh, pray, oh, pray, oh. <laughs> now you are going to pray. Lord God, every one of my instruments, my ears, my eyes, my ears, my eyes, in the mighty name of Jesus, the Lord God will open my ears to hear. The Lord God will open my eyes to see. I am no longer guessing in the name of Jesus. The purpose of God over my life shall be revealed by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows the mind of God and he will reveal his mind to me. Therefore, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Every area that is damaged in the name of Jesus. Every instrument that is damaged, Lord, we ask that by your spirit, you begin to repair in the mighty name of Jesus. Repair our eyes, repair our ears, repair our hearts in the name of Jesus. Where there is a damage, we're asking almighty God, let there be a repairing. I want you to pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord will repair. Let him repair every instrument. Every instrument that is needed for you to hear the spirit of the living God. It says you will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walking in. Lord, we ask, oh God, repair our eyes, repair our ears, repair our hearts in the name of Jesus. Give us eyes that we can see. Give us ears that we can hear. Give us a heart that we can understand. Every part of us, where there's a damage, we pray in the name of Jesus that everywhere there's a damage, let there be a repairing. Holy Spirit, do a repair. Do a repair on our instrument. Every one of our instrument that is damaged. We'll pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord himself will repair. Lord, we ask that you repair in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And you stand upon that promise in the place of prayer. It says the Lord will open your ears. That means it, where it is closed, it says God says I'm going to open it. And when he opens it, he says then you will hear a voice saying this is the way walking in. Because he has opened your ears. He has opened your eyes. You can see. And he has opened everything. Your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Those three instruments must be on point, opened, accessible by the Holy Spirit. For him to reveal your God-given plan and purpose to you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you, Father, for the grace, Lord, to, to sit and to learn and to understand. And I pray much more than the words that I've spoken that the Holy Spirit will give greater understanding. He will give greater illumination. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, we will not be too busy, O oh God. 
We will not be too busy to wait upon you to receive direction from you in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you have chosen that it's the Holy Spirit that will reveal to us. And we welcome him. We welcome him again into our lives that he will take that place to be, play that role. And to influence us in every way in the name of Jesus. The Lord God Father, we will not be guessing anymore in the name of Jesus. The Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, you reveal unto us that which you have declared and purposed over our lives. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Please take one scripture down, the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 26. It talks about the Holy Spirit helping us in the place of prayer. So when you are saying, but Pastor Biela, when I go home, what will I be praying about? Just look at Romans chapter 8 verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us when we do not know how, what we should pray or for as we ought. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit can begin to make intercession for you. That you are praying the mind because he knows the mind of God. And he will pray the mind of God over your life in Jesus name. so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.